the, the, the games are over, but the game never stops. Never stops. This is College Football Overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Let's move into the college football playoff, Abe, because on paper, these are this is the best college football playoffs that I think that we've ever had on paper because it's a combined five-point spread. So one and a half here in the Rose Bowl that we're about to talk about right now. Michigan, one and a half point favorite over Alabama. It would only be the second, the first time, it's the first time that somebody is a favored opponent or a favored over Alabama since 2009. To somebody not named Georgia is favored <laughs> over Alabama. We know how that one went. It was the Tim Tebow game in the SEC championship game. That was uh, the end of the Florida era, I guess, if you will. Um, but this game, I don't necessarily know how this one's going to go. Maybe it's the end of an era for Jim Harbaugh because he might go off to the NFL. Maybe, maybe not. But look, Jim Harbaugh's led them to the college football playoff three years in a row, but they have yet to win a game. They're looking for the first national title since 1997 and only their second since 1948. Meanwhile, Nick Saban has been the model program of the 14 era. He's missed the playoff only twice in the last decade and has won all but one of his semifinals. And that goes back to 2014. He lost that one in 2014 against Ohio State, the eventual national champion. And Abe, I know we've called this his best coaching job of his career, but he still has 18 five-stars on this roster, which is more than the entire Big Ten Conference, which only has 17. His 2023 team, it was defined by doubt. They lost to Texas. They struggled at times. USF was dreadful. 17-3 was a win in that one. And people doubted them the entire season, myself included. And four of their nine conference wins came by six points or less. Yet here we are. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah, th- there's an interesting run of storylines uh, to get to in this game, and you have to break it down, I think, bit by bit. And the first one to me is the reverse trends of the two quarterbacks in this game. J.J. Uh, McCarthy started hot. He was into the Heisman discussion. And in big games, even though his team won, he did not perform well. Uh, I, I think he won games over the, the vast stretch of the season where they threw for like 138 yards or, or 151, whatever. The, it was not impressive. Mm-hmm. It was not enough. And it's a situation where J.J. McCarthy, in my opinion, did not make enough plays, but also did not turn the ball over. Flip side that to Jalen Milrow. We know how his season started, um, but he's been trending the opposite where he is on the rise to the point where he got some discussion in the Heisman. They almost flipped in that regard. Finished number five, I think. Yeah, and and it's a situation where he has become a playmaker, but you do still worry about the turnovers a little bit. And and so the question for me is going to be which style can win this game. Jalen Milrow, I think, can win this game being a playmaker. Can J.J. McCarthy win this game not turning the ball over is that going to be enough are they going to have to ask for more from him I think there's room for error for Milrow I think the Alabama offense is more explosive than Michigan's and so if Milrow has a turnover here or there they may be able to survive that but he was outstanding down the stretch he was outstanding against Georgia don't forget this also because mm-hmm. we're going to focus on Blake Corum here. I'm going to let you speak on him in just a moment. But Alabama beat Georgia without Jace McClellan. Jace McClellan's an outstanding running back, and after three weeks of recovering, 
Uh, he's going to come into this game about as healthy as he's been since the start of the season. And, and so um, I do think that we we need to see Michigan run the ball to win this game. Yeah. Um, I think we understand that. I, I think Alabama is going to want to do uh, something in that regard as well. Jason McClellan will be a big part of that. And then obviously Milrow will be a part of that as well. And before I turn it over to you for your thoughts on this game, the other aspect of this, which is simply just undeniable. I, I know the quarterbacks are at the, the center of the story and they are on the field. I'm never, ever picking against Saban when he's got three weeks to prepare. It, it's just, it's too big of a storyline. And, and this has, it's not even about Harbaugh or not trusting him or calling him a bad coach. That's not the situation, but, but, Nick Saban is the best in the business. He's been the best in the business for a long, long time now for a reason. And his record with multiple weeks to prepare is outstanding. Um, and so when faced with this opportunity, I just do tend to favor the tree, the team that that is trending upwards for me. I, I, I really look, there, there was a time. I don't know if you remember Garrett, where I refused to call Georgia the best team in the nation. They had not, they, this was before when they hadn't really shown it yet. And I said, look, I got, I'm looking at this Michigan team. They're dominating on both sides of the ball. I have not seen that team in quite a while. Uh, the team that I thought could beat you with defense, but also beat you with offense. This to me is felt like a team that needed to beat you with uh, ground game and controlling the clock and keeping the score low and forcing turnovers. And, and I'm just concerned that they don't do that uh, against Alabama. Uh, Alabama had a plan that worked against Georgia's front and against Georgia's secondary. I, I imagine Nick Saban will have a plan that works against Michigan fronts and Michigan secondary. And, and so the question now yeah. to me, um, the, the, the bigger question is can J.J. McCarthy and that offense keep up? And I, I don't know. Again, I'll let you speak on Blake Corm. I think it falls on the shoulders of J.J. McCarthy. 130-something yards passing, 150-something yards passing. I don't think you're winning this game um, no. uh, unless it all falls <laughs> apart for Milrow like it did early in the season. So it's going to fall to Corum, and I'm not necessarily personally convinced he's that type of back. I like Blake Corum. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be good on Sundays. But he's been able to carry the load for much of this season. Uh, he w he didn't look the same. I will say that. Zach Center went down in that Ohio State game, the All-American guard. And he was very important to this rushing attack. He was the guy who generally was the pulling guard. He's the guy leading the charge into the hole. Um, and in that game, they averaged – Two point yards per two point zero, so two yards per carry against Iowa. Sixty six total yards on the ground. That's a really good rush defense for Iowa. You're about to face another equally good rush defense for Alabama. I I understand you're just playing not to lose. It's it, obviously it's a different type of game plan. Game to game, transitive property doesn't exist in college football, much football in general, but especially in college football. Um, so. At the end of the day, I don't think that Blake Corum's going to be able to win this game for you. J.J. McCarthy, I agree with you. He's going to have to have a big game. If if, if they want to beat Alabama in this football game, then J.J. McCarthy's got to do better than 60 yards like he did against Penn State. He's got to do better than 148 yards like he did against Ohio State. I understand he was efficient in those games. He was 7 of 8 and 16 for 20. But the, the basic short, short to intermediate routes, 
that's not going to be able to get it done because in those games you were able to run the ball effectively or yeah. you, you were able to use your home field advantage to get it done. You also just haven't had to, to keep pace with a team that scores. And that's been the trouble for, for teams opposing Alabama is you feel like anything is a win uh, outside of a touchdown. <clears throat> and, and if Michigan, and I'm not saying it's going to be in the high thirties or forties, we, we've seen those types of games though. And I just, Michigan yeah. doesn't have that, in my opinion, or at least they haven't shown that. And look, I like Blake Corum. He's one of the game's great finishers right now. That's what I, he is. You hand That's the ball to him inside the five, give him the six points. It's going to be a touch. But I don't know if he's got the big play explosive ability that Michigan's going to need. I, I, I just I don't feel like you're just going to start moving Alabama around and uh I, I don't know man like they look so impressive in, in how they were able to handle the georgia bulldogs and i, I just uh, they looked like the best team in the country at that point they yeah. now have the challenge of carrying that over after three weeks off but uh, i think it's going to be very tough based on what we saw in the second half of the season from each of these teams for michigan to win this game yeah and Jalen milrow i think one thing we've seen uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, came down from Notre Dame at the beginning of this year, was really kind of settling in with his quarterback as the season went on. And this season, obviously, he got better and better and better, like you said. One of the big things that we saw from him specifically is the designed run. Uh, I don't remember who did this. I think it was Cole Kublick from uh, WJOX in, in Birmingham. He's also SEC Network. He does a lot of different things. Great college football mind. Um, but in the majority of the must-win football games that they played this year, so Ole Miss, LSU, and Georgia, he had six design runs in that game. He had nine design runs in that game and six against Georgia. He had 37 all season. So we're talking about the vast majority of these well over half came in just three games. They're three most important games of the season. And I fully expect that we're going to start seeing those designed runs against this Michigan front that has not seen anything like that this season. Nobody has had the athletic ability of, a Jalen Milrow and Jalen Milrow. It's not just, it's not that he just needs his legs to get going. I think he plays best when he is moving and getting out of the pocket and making things happen. But it's also the fact that when he's throwing the ball down the field and he's connecting with his big play receiver, which has become Jermaine Burton, uh, who's exploded down the stretch. He's had four touchdowns in his last mm -hmm. five games. This downfield passing attack has been paramount. It's huge. And Michigan allows just 153 yards passing and 55% completion rate. Jalen Milrow is going to attack him down the field. And I think if, if Jace McClellan, you mentioned it, if Jace McClellan can get a good push and, and a, a, a good, a good, I don't know, a decent chunk of yards behind a pretty good offensive line against a really good Michigan front seven, then I think that Alabama is going to hit once or twice down the field because Jalen Milrow is going to do it at least once or twice because he's shown that he's fully capable of hitting down the field. But I think you'd set that up with the designed runs, and we've started to see that over the course of the season. But the other thing, and the last thing I'll say about this before we move into the Sugar Bowl, the coaching disparity is glaring. Jim Harbaugh's a really good coach, and I'm not sitting. I'm, sit, I'm not going to sit in, your, in my pulpit and try and cast stones. That's not what I'm trying to do. But you give the best coach to do it at the collegiate level three weeks to prepare – uh, hmm. you'd be lucky to win that football game. <laughs> but on top of that, Jim Harbaugh is two and seven in bowl games. Abe, he hasn't won a bowl game since 2016. Well, that makes me, it makes me a little nervous. It makes I, me a little nervous. I'll tell you what makes me nervous in regards to Harbaugh it is all of this off the field stuff that has also kind of 
flickered in to bowl prep. Um, the news that he hired an agent that may help him uh, get an NFL job. The, wow. the idea that he's had to address certain uh, rumors or openings. It, it's just a lot of outside noise. And they and look, Michigan's been dealing with outside noise all season. We understand that. So mm-hmm. maybe they're ready for it. But it just seems like and look, maybe it's just like some big distraction uh for us, the analysts who who are being misled here. Um, it just seems like he's not ultimately as focused on this game as Nick Saban is. And, and, and I don't I, I don't I don't think it's fair to question that. Like I hope I, I know that's what I said, but that's not exactly what I mean. I, I don't think he's I know what you mean. not but but there's also some unavoidable stuff that he's dealing with that Nick Saban doesn't seem to be dealing with right now. And, and you do wonder, it's just human nature, sometimes that takes its role uh, and plays its part. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be one of those things that starts to, that's going to be questioned. If, if Michigan does lose this game, which, you know, I think they will. If Michigan loses this game, that's going to be the question mark. Yeah. And that's going to be the question that every reporter is going to stand up there and ask and say, Hey, did the off field things catch up to you? Yeah. Did the cheating scandal catch up to you? Did the coaching rumors catch up to you? And that's a fair question. And that's Jim Harbaugh's fault. Nobody else's. 